Welcome, everyone, to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 109, and we're discussing our fall 2022 anime first impressions. This episode will be spoiler-free, so no worries if you haven't seen any of the anime on our list. It's time for the final seasonal first impressions of the year. I can't believe we're in the last quarter of the year. I know. It, summer flew by pretty quickly even though we had a very busy summer uh <laughs> and i feel like i'm still trying to catch up on shows from the summer it's a few and i ended up dropping some but yeah now it's the autumn onslaught the what the autumn oh. onslaught <laughs> i thought you said the, like ottoman like a digimon oh, or something the ottoman onslaught. <laughs> no like all the fall shows coming out and yeah, like if if there was a, a good phrase to describe fall, uh, the fall season, it would be, Lord have mercy. Yeah, I think we all knew going into it that this was going to be the most intense season for 2022 because of the insane lineup that we have. Um, and it's already, I think, a very impressive season. I, I don't... I'm going to be interested in how we rank these um, these seasons when we get to our best and worst of 2022 anime uh, episode at the end of the year because I don't know this this roster this is this is a pretty stacked season. I'm excited to talk about a lot of these shows and there's actually a a good chunk of them this time around that haven't even premiered yet. So there's a lot to look forward to still. But before we get into all of that, we have some other things we want to chat about. First and foremost, I believe today, the day this episode goes live, um, another episode goes live, which is actually my guest appearance on Shonen Flop. Yeah, I was on hand uh, listening to that um, as, as like the audio, <laughs> the quote unquote audio engineer for our podcast. Um, so I would say you're not strictly anime anymore. <laughs> you got manga under your plate now too i know okay so a little bit of background um shonen flop joined us here on strictly anime for episode 98 which was ranking anime dere types um and it was uh, david and jordan from shonen flop it was a really good discussion so if you haven't listened to that episode go jump over to episode 98 after this but then they had me on their podcast recently to talk all about hi-fi cluster um if you're not familiar with shonen flop they review uh, manga that had been canceled on Shonen Jump and figure out what went wrong. Why did it get canceled? Um, so yeah, we were re reviewing Hi-Fi Cluster, which in a nutshell is kind of like, it has some cyberpunk vibes. It's kind of, a, uh, how do I describe this? Let me take a step back. It's about this character who um, has like the Midoriya complex from My Hero where he's the only one in society who can't use these special labels that give you specific abilities and it's nothing like special abilities it could be anything like painting or cooking or pottery or even riding a motorcycle um, and then he joins this group of individuals who have special labels and special abilities because he happens to be one of those people um, who can use those special labels and then heroic stuff ensues However, <laughs> as you can imagine, since it's a canceled manga, there's a lot wrong with Hi-Fi Cluster. And so we spent the entire time talking all about that, breaking it down, and figuring out like what the fuck happened here. So it was a really good time overall. Um, highly recommend checking out that episode again. I think it should go live today um, over at Shonen Flop. And thank you for 
lurking in the background and making sure that my audio was spick and span so that I could focus on the discussion. You are most welcome. Uh, and, you know, hearing the discussion, I mean, I, I typically don't dabble in manga, but I think this is probably one that I'd, I'd steer clear of just, just based on premise and how it ended up. Yeah, I mean, it it was still a fun read because it was so bad that it was... Oh, I'm not going to say it's, it was so bad it was good, but it was so bad that it was fun on a certain level. But uh, yeah, we had a really good discussion just roasting the shit out of it, and I, I highly recommend checking out the episode because it's, it's going to be a great one. Over at our Patreon, we had a fun Q&A for Halloween, for October, and one of the questions that came up was all about scary games. And it got me thinking about my childhood because me and my sisters played a lot of scary games. Did you, you didn't play scary games growing up, right? Hell no. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, didn't grow, I, I didn't grow up an only child, but like I have a, an older sibling and they weren't really interested in video games or such. Um, so I, I would just play stuff that I, I was interested in. But the you know, horror genre, as I most of you might know is not appealing to me at all so I never was drawn towards playing any of the horror video games like Silent Hill or Resident Evil any of that stuff man you missed out I don't know my sisters and I are really weird like growing up even when we were pretty young we were really into like scary stuff um, I'm still a chicken shit when it comes to like scary movies and stuff. I still to this day cover my face or like cover my eyes when I'm watching a scary movie and just kind of like peek between the cracks in my fingers. Um, but I still enjoy like the, the experience of quote unquote watching a scary movie. And it's similar with, um, scary video games as well. I never played them growing up. Um, but my one sister always played them and the other two of us would help her out with, trying to figure out where to go or pulling up the guide if we needed to. And so it was a lot of fun talking about scary video games on our Patreon Q&A for this month. And the timing is great because I was also looking at some memes that my sisters had um, shared, which I, I don't know if anyone else did this back in uh, back in the, uh, the early 2000s playing scary games, but she sent two memes. Um, I'll describe them the best I can. I'm sure I'm not going to do them justice, but we will drop them in the Discord so you guys can see them firsthand. And the first one says, there are two kinds of horror game players. And it just has like an image from Resident Evil where like the top image is what the game should look like normally at a normal brightness. And then the bottom one is that exact same image, just like really bleached out because it's clear someone turned the brightness all the way up. And then the second meme says the same thing, like horror game, adjust the brightness so that the logo is barely visible. And then the bottom is that meme from <laughs> fucking Captain, or it's, it's Captain America when he's old. And he's like, no, I don't uh, think I will. Right. <laughs> and it's just all like bleached out. And I just remember this so vividly because when we would play games like Silent Hill or Fatal Frame 1 or 2 um, or Kuon, we would not only adjust the brightness on the, on the game itself to the max that it's allowed, we would then take the TV remote and turn the TV brightness all the way up to max as well. I don't even know how we could see anything. It was probably so like whited out or like bleached out that we couldn't make out most of the details, but we just needed to be able to see as much as we could to get through these video games when we were super young. 
Doesn't that take out the the frightening element of playing the game? You, you'd think so, but not necessarily. I mean, at that age, because that was probably when we were like, I don't know, around 10 years old or so. I mean, at that age, we needed anything that we could to get to build the courage to make it through the scary games. Obviously, nowadays, my sister does not need to turn the brightness up to play scary games. She'll just jump right in. And she's kind of desensitized to a lot of like horror game elements. So if she if it's not a really well done horror game, she just gets bored really fast. Um, but back then, we we needed that comfort, we needed that security blanket to be able to finish things like Fatal Frame um, and like Silent Hill two and three. Like they, those were just fantastic horror games that came out back then. I know she also like she'll just do streams once in a while where we'll watch her play, and like <laughs> even watching those. I have to, I turn the volume down. Do you um, really? <laughs> like, still to a point where I can hear her reactions to things, but just enough to, like, I'm not spooked by, you know, like, the sudden shrill music that plays or, like, if there's a jump scare or something. I, um, yeah, I kind of do that, too. I, I, when I know a scary part's coming up, because a lot of it's pretty predictable. I'll kind of like look away from the screen. I'll still have the volume on, but I'll still kind of look away from the screen. Like I said, I'm still chicken shit. I don't play these things myself. I just enjoy watching her play them. Um, what are some of the recent games that she played that she actually got pretty scared with? I think the Mortuary Assistant demo, because she yes. didn't play the full game. Um, and that then, was funny, though. Like, why? You know, she was that? so scared. <laughs> you know, like, we're, we're writing comments to her, and like, she's just cracking up from those, but also just trying to recover from the jump scares. <laughs> um, and then Madison. I think that's another indie horror game that she played recently. Um, I remember when the first Outlook came out, that one was pretty terrifying. I would say Outlook. Outlook. Outlook, Outlast. <laughs> Outlook, clearly I'm thinking about work. Outlast 2 um, was not as scary in my opinion as Outlast 1, but we did have a really good time with the first one. Um, and yeah, I, I think scary games nowadays are pretty damn good, especially like the big name games. But there's just something about scary games from when we were kids. Um, I don't really know like what that era was. Yeah, I was going to... I, I had this question pop up in my head. Like, do you think the current generation games are scarier than, like, the ones where it's less polygons, like, from our, our childhood? Because I feel like yeah, there's an element to, like, those, I won't say retro, but, like, those nostalgic games from our childhood where it's, not like terrific graphics, like it's PS2 level graphics, but something about that just seems a lot more terrifying than s some game that has like graph high graphical fidelity. And I know like there are a lot of indie games now that try to capture that same sort of feel that, you know, like we watch Corey Kenshin play a lot of those and like just watching him play those, even though they're again cheap graphics, that makes me, I feel a little more terrified than watching like a current gen. But what do you think? That's a really good question. Um, I do not think the majority of scary games in current generation are nearly as scary as games that came out. So I did look up the era that of the games that I'm talking about. And I think it's the early 2000s because Fatal Frame, the first one came out in 2001. Um, Kuan, which is 
an underrated scary game. Absolutely fantastic if you love things like Silent Hill, the original Silent Hills, the early Fatal Frames. You have to play Kuan if you can get your hands on it. It's actually very hard to come by, and my sister has a copy still, thank, thank goodness. Because, um, yeah, it's it's not easy to find anymore. Uh, but Kuan came out in 2004. So that, that generation, I don't think it was necessarily like a graphical thing that made it scary. It was just an environmental thing. They mm. Those games did such a fantastic job of building this intensely scary um, environment. Like for example, um, Fatal Frame 1, 2, and, and 3 for the most part, um, there wasn't any music. Like, even when a ghost came out, it's not like there was, like you said, like the shrill music or like the violins or like a loud drum or something. They just fucking showed up. Like the camera obscura would just turn red and you're like, oh shit, there's a ghost somewhere around here. And you just have to keep walking with that fixed camera until it pops out or you can find it and attack it. Like, it's just eerie, right? Like they tried to make it, I wouldn't say like super realistic, but they didn't rely on jump scares. They didn't rely on... um intense music um and they didn't make the scares as obvious so like the, i think that's why those games were so good like for example with kuan um i shared this in the patron q a but um with kuan it was the same thing like it was very much a, an environmental thing that made the game so intensely scary like you again fixed camera angle um there were enemies that you had to you know th there were there were combat moments um, where you'd fight the enemies and whatnot, but those weren't the scary moments. It was like walking through this dark garden and suddenly in the corner of the screen, as the fixed camera is panning over, you see like a woman crawl underneath something and there's no noise associated with it. You just see it. And if you don't see it, you don't see it. But when you do see it, it just freaks you the fuck out because it's it's so subtle and it's so eerie, but you know something scary is there. So I think that's what the difference is with games back then versus games nowadays where again it's mm -hmm. like very in your face um and very i wouldn't say try hard but sometimes it kind of is try hard when it comes to scares yeah i think i think we mentioned this in the q a too that the only game in recent memory that's actually like like got me extremely terrified is pt or the quote-unquote silent hills demo uh nothing like I, I obviously I'm I'm like a, a, a scaredy cat too. So watching people play scary games, I, I'll I'll cover my eyes a bit, but nothing was like that experience. Yeah, PT is a fantastic example of um, that environmental horror done with modern graphics. Um, PT shows the potential of taking that same vibe that same way of making scary games from the early 2000s and applying very very detailed and graphic graphics <laughs> to the game to just make things even more intense than early 2000s games could ever be so yeah i think if if they could take some of those vibes like kojima did with pt and and make them more modern i think we'd have some really great games and again i'm not saying all scary games now aren't scary i'll i'll Outlast, I almost said Outlook again. Outlast still was really intense. PT was really good. Um, and again, there's still some really good indie horror games out there that use the environment to their advantage. Um, we just, me and my sisters would like to see more of those. You know, there's actually, there's one type of horror game now that I, I, I remember like us playing. It's the multiplayer survival horror games. Like, I think. Like Dead Space? 
No, like Dead by Daylight. Oh. Or I think like Friday the tur the, the Friday the thirteenth. The thirteenth. Friday, <laughs> Friday the thirteenth, which kind of adapted that and then put it in a media franchise that a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, where it's it's usually like like one player is the killer and then three or four other people have to try to escape their clutches or, or like go to a do certain prompts to get to a point on the map where they can escape. Uh, I just always thought that, that was fun because we would play that with our friends a lot, and we would we would mic up, and I don't think the killer would be mic'd, or maybe they would be in one of the games, and it was just it was just terrifying trying to to run away from them, but also just funny because you know like our, our banter just makes us all crack up when one of us is about to be killed or whatever. Yeah, those games are are fun and intense. It's like dumb horror. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're they're not scary necessarily. They're just like intense because you're trying to not get murdered, and the thought of that I think like gets you like gets the adrenaline rushing. So those games are a lot of fun, but they're definitely not scary games in my mind. Like they have a a scary setting, but they're not the same scary game. Like they're not the type of scary game I think of when I think scary games. Yeah. I guess that would be my threshold for playing horror games. Because you need like the <laughs> I need the, the humor dumb in it. stuff in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I just remember those Friday the Thirteenth uh, sessions that we would have with our friends. So I know, especially fun. with our group, that shit was a shit show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Since we're on the topic of Halloween, um, we do have a very special Halloween episode planned here at Strictly Anime. So look forward to that. Um, I think it's one that we need to watch. We should have watched a long time ago, um, and we're finally going to do it and make a, a whole special Halloween episode out of it. So yeah, look forward to that in a few weeks. Um, and what else is coming up? Oh, we have something big coming up, actually, in November to December. We do? <laughs> We're going to Japan. Oh, like, <laughs> You're looking no. at me like, what? <laughs> I, was, I was thinking like podcast schedule. Oh, well, what I are mean... we watching in November, December? <laughs> we do have fun stuff coming up in the next few months. Yes, on the podcast. But um, we thought we'd share that we have booked a trip to Japan. Fucking I... finally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think of that. <laughs> I was just so in tune with anime right now, but... Um, yeah, it's exciting. I know they they just opened the borders to Japan this month, and I, I haven't really heard any like statistics on how many tourists have come back into the country since they've opened. I, I'm sure there's a flood right now, but it, it's a great time for us to be going because I know the the yen's pretty weak right now, and so the dollar has a lot of buying power over there. And of course, again, having been two years since people could properly travel to Japan from from internationally, uh, I'm us included. A lot of people are just excited to go back to the the promised land, the promised <laughs> land, the mecca of anime. Um, yeah, we're we're really excited to go. Uh, the day the they announced the the Japanese government announced that they were going to. Um, end restrictions and open up their borders i think within a few days after that we had our trip booked and for some context uh for those who aren't familiar so the last time we were in japan was 2017 for our honeymoon mm -hmm. and then we had planned a trip to the tokyo 2020 olympics um we had everything including flights hotel and olympic event tickets 
one I was most excited for was archery. Um, but of course, with the pandemic and everything, they decided, the Olympic Committee decided no spectators. So they canceled all of our Olympic event tickets, refunded us. And of course, we just had to cancel everything else for our trip. So we've been holding out for quite a while now to finally make it to Japan. Um, and as soon as they announced it, we were like, fuck it, we're going to make this happen. We have all of these things saved up to go. We were supposed to go back in 2020, so we might as well go now. Yeah, especially uh, credit card points. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, all of the points that we have saved up because we we've been holding out for Japan. Um, it, it worked out well because I think the trip will um, – it'll be uh, hopefully smooth sailing because, again, like everything was easy to book – based on like everything we had ready to go. Like you said, the yen is pretty weak right now. So we're hoping to be able to take advantage of that. And I think we're probably going to do a lot of what we we did back in 2017. So we're going to stay in Tokyo for pretty much the whole time, but we might do day trips out to Kyoto and Osaka. We'd like to see um, Universal Studios Japan, see Nintendo World, mm -hmm. um, the apparent Jujutsu Kaisen attraction that's there as well, which I didn't know about, but you you had mentioned to me. So we have a, a couple of fun things planned. Um, and we'll, of course, we're going to have everything buttoned up for the podcast while we're gone. Look forward to that. But we're hoping to share, I don't know, some, some insight, um, some recaps on our trip after we get back. This might be dumb, but I think the thing I'm most excited for is the Kombinis. Uh, going yeah. back to them, <laughs> like the place where we stayed at um, during our honeymoon, um, there was a Kombini close by. I think it was a 7-Eleven. I think it was on like, like right there on the same block as the hotel. It was perfect. Yeah. And so sometimes I would rush there in the morning to grab like an onigiri from their like snack shelf or whatever. And that was just, that was a game changer. And <laughs> I feel like a lot of people always talk about like the Japanese convenience stores and just how much of an experience they are compared to going to our this like seven elevens or speedways here in the states. Like it's way different, and it's like I'm just, <laughs> it's so it's dumb to say, but that's the one thing I'm most excited to see again in Japan or to experience again. I mean, the convenience of the convenience stores is unlike anything we've experienced here in the States. Our 7-Elevens here in the U.S. are pretty, um, not like, okay, gross is a, a, a mean word, but like they're just not anything great. Like they're just very basic here. Um, so I feel like when we go to Japan, we, we have to take advantage. Yeah. You don't need like the 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 taquitos or the the, the slushies. slushies. No, you, you got way more options over there. At least options that sound more appetizing. And we're gonna do our best as well while we're in Japan to share periodic updates. Um, most likely, it'll be in our Discord. So if you're not a member of our Discord, the link to join is in the um, the description. So be sure to join us over there. But yeah, we're gonna head out to Japan late November and then we'll be back early December for about a total of a week and a half I'd say and I think that'll be plenty of time to explore Japan and get our fill so we're very excited about that and we'll keep you guys posted all right on to fall 2022 
first impressions. Um, for those who have tuned into these before, you guys know that every season we share our first impressions of new anime that are coming out. We try to do this a, a couple weeks into the season so that we've watched a decent number of episodes of each of the anime that we're going to talk about. Um, and then we can kind of tell like whether the show's good or bad and try to give a recommendation on whether or not it's worth picking up. But like I said, this season's kind of unique because almost like half of the stuff on our list hasn't even premiered yet um, or it has premiered and we just don't have access to it. So there's going to be a lot of upcoming stuff that we just don't have any context around, but we'll still share what's on our list. You know, in general, what we're going to be watching. And if you want to hear our final thoughts on this season after it's finished, that's exclusive for our patrons. So um, we recently wrapped up our summer 2022 mm -hmm. end of season review for our patrons um, and talked all about that season. I think it was it was a very unique season, summer was. Because um, again, like you said, we were very busy. Um, there's a lot that we were behind on, but there was a lot that was kind of disappointing. So if you're curious to hear more about that, you can head over to patreon.com slash the strictly series. And of course we'll have the same end of season review for fall 2022, um, when that season wraps up. All right. So as always, um, we're going to start with the anime that is technically continuing from a previous season. I only have one and it's actually a pretty unique situation for, fall 2022 um it's isekai ojisan which is uncle from another world if you're not familiar with what happened with that anime um it was a summer 2022 anime is that right yes it started over the summer and it the production came to a screeching halt essentially because i believe there was like a covid outbreak among the staff um so the team just decided look we're gonna put everything on hold we're gonna move isekai ojisan over to fall 2022 and that's where we'll complete everything um, I think you're a little more, more familiar they're gonna restart the season in terms of like airing it in Japan and then once they've caught up finish with the rest of the episodes is that right I think that's what I read in an article um, let me see right now uh, episode yeah the last episode that came out for Isekai Ojisan was August 31st um, so I believe the broadcast restarted earlier this month and then like the most, the newest episode would release, I think sometime in November. I'm excited to see more. And for context, there's a total of 13 episodes. Um, they put the show on hold after episode seven. So we are seven episodes in, um, and I, I think we'll just pick it up. At episode eight, I don't plan to rewatch the first seven episodes. It hasn't been that long, so I still remember everything that happened. Um, I don't know about you though. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's other than the first episode, not much of it is, is worth a, a rewatch unless you really want to invest yourself in what was going on. Um, but yeah, I think right now with how the episodes have gone, it's gotten a little bit stale. But I don't know how the remaining, uh, I can't do math again, six episodes, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, <laughs> six episodes. <laughs> um, if, if they're going to have any real progression. And what I mean by that is like right now with the uncle, he's just kind of retelling the stories of what he did in the, the isekai world. 
and there's always like some misunderstanding on his part of of what characters or what situations are going on um but i feel like it's just been that every every episode since the first episode yeah i'd agree and to take it to take it one step further back um, for those who aren't familiar with uncle from another world the premise is that this uncle was isekai 17 years ago or something like that um and suddenly he is back in his uh his regular world and his nephew is taking care of him and trying to get him reacclimated to this world um, but he's been able to keep some of his um, pretty much all of his powers and memories from when he was isekai so his nephew is just learning about his adventures and trying to help him out um, it is a comedy it it pokes fun at isekai which is great because isekai is as you all know the most heavily saturated genre of anime at the moment so it's just funny to see this type of parody and yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree. I think it's at that point where it's starting to repeat a lot of jokes and not progressing anything in terms of like an actual ongoing plot line or an end goal. Um, so I, I still really enjoy it. I just hope at some point it establishes something that we're working toward because there's a lot that this show could do and the humor is really, really good. But sometimes you just need a little bit of variety. So we'll see how the last half goes. But Dio's voice actor, Takehito Koyasu, does a great job as always as as the uncle. And just yeah. hearing him <laughs> in that different light, um, it makes things interesting. So that was Uncle from Another World. Um, and that's, again, the only thing that we have continuing from the previous season on our watch list. Now moving on to the next category, which is the currently watching category. Um, again, no particular order as always with these anime, I just kind of listed them out here. So the first one is one that I'm watching, but you're not watching. And it's called I'm the Villainess, so I'm taming the final boss. It, um, I guess, doesn't have a, con- a confirmed number of episodes because it has a big old question mark on Mal. But I am current at four episodes in. And what drew me to pick up this show is the voice actors. Um, I think I've mentioned this before, but this is a rom-com where the male character is a sundere, let's fucking go, and then he's voiced by my favorite voice actor, Yuichiro Umehara, let's fucking go, and the female love interest is voiced by one of my favorite female voice actresses, Rie Takahashi, let's fucking go. I just feel like this show is made for me, and so far, four episodes in, I'm really enjoying it. Oh, sorry. I also see that uh, the voice actor for Lelouch and Josuke are in this show, too. Hell yeah. And <laughs> Tomokazu Sugita plays oh, a fucking bird. <laughs> oh, what the hell? Okay. It's a stacked cast with, with a bunch of voice actors I fucking love. Um, and honestly, this show is not going to be like top tier for the season. Um, if you're not somebody who is into... Uh, rom-coms you're probably not gonna like this I I don't even know really what like the clear end goal is of the show but I just love the romance in it and I love that it's a male Sunday so you know I have to watch it but yeah I'm enjoying it if you if you just want something funny where you can kind of like turn your brain off and just enjoy these two characters and their developing relationship, and um, I guess some drama that's infused in that as well, um, then I'd highly recommend this one. But again, if that's not your vibe, if that doesn't sound interesting, I really don't think it's worth picking up. But as for me, I'll fucking finish it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you already know, okay? I mean, a male said today, let's <laughs> fucking go. <laughs> 
So moving on from I'm the Villainess, so I'm taming the final boss, the next one we have is one that you're watching and I'm not watching, which is kind of rare. I feel like normally I'm the one that has a decent amount of shows that I'm watching but you're not interested in, but I think you picked up a couple of interesting ones. Um, and the next one is Akiba Made War. Yes. So I think I saw the trailer for this series passively over the summer, and I thought it was kind of kooky. But kooky. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I uh, haven't heard anyone use that word in so long. <laughs> but then I was uh, I was kind of lurking on some of our other like brother and sister podcast discords, and a lot of people were like really thrilled about the show um, and had a lot of positive things to say about it. So I was like, fuck it. I'll pick it up. And so I watched, I think there's two episodes out right now. And How many does it have total? Is it confirmed? Uh, 12, I think, confirmed total on Mal. Okay. And I got to say, this hooked me as much as Licorice, Licorice Recoil did uh, back in summer, which I still have to finish. But it's just a... This one, <laughs> I feel like it's, it's better if I don't give too many details about it. But... It it is about the, like you know made cafes in Japan like they they're everywhere or like especially in Akihabara and they've sort of become part of like Japanese pop culture and so this show kind of takes that but puts a spin on it that you wouldn't expect where it's sort of like these made cafes have like this seedy underground element to it and I think another fascinating thing about this show is that it takes place in the late 90s early 2000s which it's it's kind of surprising that you have shows that take place during this era because i always feel like most anime are either modern day or in a fantasy world or like i don't know some sometimes in the late, early 80s late 80s i don't know what maybe i'm just thinking of jojo for some reason <laughs> uh, but no jojo takes place all over the anyways uh yeah, the first episode just has a really strange vibe to it. Um, I don't know if it's really like Quentin Tarantino-esque. Uh, I'm not much of a film buff, so I can't... I, I'm not going to stick by that statement too much. But yeah, it, it has a nice mix of humor and action and just just fascinating uh, just a fascinating story and there's even a, a music sequence mixed in with an action sequence that like i i, I have never saw, seen something so funny with those two elements mixed together in a long time uh so i'm really looking forward to watching this uh for this for the season and i encouraged courtney to watch it just because you know, it's such a weird premise but um, it's it's a funny show. I'm down to watch it. Let me know when you get a few more episodes in, and if you think it's got holding power, um, then I'm down to pick it up. Because you, just between the two of us, like you're the one that discovered Ranking of Kings, which ended up being amazing, and um, you boy Kong Ming, which ended mm -hmm. up being really really good as well. So yeah, if you think this one is really good, if it has Lycoris recoil vibes, I'm totally down. I also see here it's an original work, and it's just interesting to hear that this has similar vibes to Lycoris recoil because I think that was also an anime original. Mm -hmm. And it's great to see anime originals coming through so strong because I feel like 
sometimes um, they get lost in the fray. If there's no source material, there's no hype, and therefore there's not a, a big enough audience watching it. Um, and some really good shows that are anime originals just never get the attention they deserve. But it sounds like, or it looks like anyway from Mal, this one has a pretty sizable audience. And hopefully with enough buzz like Lycoris like Recoil, they'll have uh, more people watching this. Maybe me included. Do it. Do it for the culture. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on from Akiba Made War, the next anime on our list is Blue Lock. Your list, I think. I don't think I picked this up. Yeah, on my list, to, to clarify. So yes, I am watching Blue Lock. It is a total of 24 episodes. It will run into winter 2023. Um, I'm not current. I'm only one episode in, but I think the second episode just came out recently. Um, so I'm not too far behind. But holy shit, this is uh, a sports anime I was not expecting. So this one was actually hyped up a lot by our Discord member, Otaku Kakashir. Shout out to you. Um, because they were talking about like how this is a really good sports story, but totally opposite from what you'd experience with something like Haikyuu. And um, they know that I love male Sundays and holy shit, I think we've got plenty of them in Blue Lock. Um, the premise is different than something like Haikyuu. I thought it was going to be like, a, a soccer team is coming together to try and win a tournament, just like Haikyuu is a volleyball team coming together to win a tournament. Everyone's going to be great. And, you know, maybe there's some conflict, but overall everyone gets um, gets along really well. But that's not at all what the fuck's happening here. Um, Blue Lock, I guess, is an actual facility. And some dude is trying to find the best, like, player or like sharpshooter in soccer for Japan who can help Japan win the World Cup because Japan apparently has not won it um, at least in a long time. So he has gathered all of these high potential soccer players to this facility and for the next several weeks or months he's going to test them and basically solely like eliminate them from the running until he's identified the best player of all who again can can help Japan win and be the best in soccer. So instead of having a team who's working hard to come together, you have a lot of really great players who are working hard against each other. Um, and it's really interesting to see that unfolding even in the first episode. It's all like a battle royale. <laughs> Kinda. I mean, they still have to work together, I think, in some aspects based on like what this guy was describing, um, the one character was describing. But holy shit, like the intensity behind everything in this show it's it's a lot i was very surprised so it's by studio 8-bit who i wasn't too familiar with but the animation at least in the first episode looks really fucking clean um looking here it looks like they've done slime anime which we have not watched but yeah the the way they animate these characters and like the intensity in their eyes and the drive that they have and like how hard they kick the ball it's just like so over the top, but not in a bad way. It shows you how determined these characters are to be the best. So I can see the Sunday potential in a lot of these characters. <laughs> you know, I'm I was kind of laughing to myself. And this is not a knock against any Japanese athletes because I'm sure they are very skilled at what they do and they work hard. But for the, the premise of the show to find like Japan's greatest soccer player, I, I feel like an, an S-tier soccer player in Japan 
would be like a, a C tier on the world stage because oh. you know like <laughs> soccer or, or football like I think that's a more popular sport in like European or Latin American countries and that's where you get a lot of like the soccer football stars yeah right uh that was just my thought in the, my head but you know I don't think that's that's gonna affect how terrific this show is is poised to be maybe that's why they're so determined to find that that key player because mm-hmm. they are always falling short at the world cup i don't know but either way it's, it's really great so far and i'm excited to watch the rest of it moving on from blue lock we are jumping into my hero academia season six. Oh boy oh boy plus we're, ultra <laughs> were we apprehensive with this after the way season five turned out um, so it has a total episode count of 25, and we are current at three episodes in. And I have to say, so far, three episodes in, it's really fucking intense. Mm-hmm. Like, no, very intense. Um, again, no no spoilers or anything, but for those who watch season five, season six takes place, I think, like, right after season five. So you're not missing anything in between. I love when they do that. That's always great. Um, and they are just jumping right into the fray. They are jumping right into all of the crazy shit they kind of set up in season five. So yeah, it's it's just a wild ride from the very first episode so far. I was just thinking, this is a slight spoiler, but yeah, the beginning of season six, there's not really any more academia right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which maybe that's fine. I don't mm-hmm. need to always see them fucking like studying no, or right. doing it, exams or practicing their moves. No, no, yeah, but it's just it's weird because these students, this uh, class one A or I guess UA, are thrown into these massive situations that you would think like like just leave it to the pro heroes to deal with. But I think the thing that's been going on throughout the show is that like. The, the villain threat is really amping up. And so you have to put these students into these situations for them to like, not just as, as, as backup, but to get them really battled heart, battle hardened for what's to come. Yeah. I guess you could just uh, call it practical application of mm-hmm. your studies. <laughs> <laughs> this is your internship. We're going to put you in danger. Yeah. We're going to see if you've really learned something in school, but yeah, I, I hope that, this intensity or at least what what they're showing us so far keeps up i think it is promising mm-hmm. and I, again i know we kind of hated a little bit on, on my hero manga fans i think a lot of people oh, i, I thought <laughs> well, you were gonna say season hate well, no because they were five. they were saying oh you know season five whatever but like season six is gonna be crazy it's gonna be so good just wait just wait and how many times have we heard that from manga readers like not every mm-hmm. time does it you know, fall flat, but sometimes they hype up something and then the anime just doesn't adapt it the way that it should. Obviously not a manga reader's fault because the manga was good, but the anime just sucked ass. Um, so I was worried. I'm like, well, okay, everyone's saying, every every My Hero manga reader is saying season six is crazy, that it's so much better and it takes the story in, in a really crazy direction, but we'll see. So far, as far as like the story going in a crazy direction, I don't see that yet. I think it's pretty much the same old, same old with like the villains in My Hero. But the action um, is actually pretty engaging. It's not just Mm. fighting for the sake of fighting or action for the sake of action. There's some like really cool character developments that happen even in just these first three episodes. So I, I am enjoying it 
pretty pretty decently i'm like so excited or so excited so um hesitant to say like i'm loving it so far um because i don't want it to come back and bite me in the ass my hero just hasn't been good in the last couple of seasons so i'm, I'm hoping this is where things turn around yeah i'm also a little bit lukewarm to like fully feeling hyped for my hero just because season five left a pretty bad taste in my mouth uh and so I, when they announced season six like yeah it was inevitable but i just felt kind of okay about it i know they were like promoting like this big event that's happening which i think was going to happen for the majority of season six uh but yeah i, I would say that it's very similar to some stuff that we saw in season four and what the event was for that arc. But I, I will say there is a, a different tone to this. Again, just because of the magnitude of the significant event that's going on in season six. So Yeah, it's pretty serious in tone. It's not like dark or any or you know, brooding or anything like that. It's just very serious. And I think that's why it makes the intensity hit so hard. Yeah. I guess it, it feels like a like an Avengers endgame type of event in season six so looking forward to it uh hopefully it does, i don't think it's gonna become like the filler tournament arc that season five was because we are definitely getting some significant plot progression and if anyone's interested in hearing our thoughts on season five of my hero academia um we have those uh on strictly anime i'm pulling it up here so it's episode 39 is the first part of season five and Episode 54 of Strictly Anime is part two of season five. So moving on from My Hero Academia season six, we are now going to talk about the big one, the biggie for the season, which is Chainsaw Man. Man of Chainsaw. Man of Chains <laughs> and Saws. <laughs> I, this is an aside. I think it was like the, the U.S. Consumer Product Safety like Twitter, like their account that... Uh, tweeted out about like a man made of chainsaws and like just how wary that made them <laughs> just thought that was brilliant that was a great tweet <laughs> we'll drop the link to that tweet in the discord as well because that was that was so unexpected but a really smart move on whoever runs that account i think the replies was like these are the safe things to do when operating a chainsaw <laughs> just in case so funny i didn't even know they fucking had a twitter account but now yeah, i do I didn't so either. mission accomplished <laughs> but yeah chainsaw man is the big one that everyone's been hyping up and anticipating for the season um it has a confirmed episode count of 12 we are current with one episode in and it has almost 700,000 members on mal like right off the bat that is insane like insane normally you don't reach higher numbers um on mail until after season's completed or a new show's premiered and then like the hype kind of catches up to everybody else and more people watch it but right off the bat to have this many people holy shit and you can't escape or couldn't escape the chainsaw man hype leading up to this anime we couldn't even escape it at crunchyroll expo yeah because we <laughs> every went... other cosplayer i felt was like someone from chainsaw man and we went to the chainsaw <laughs> man panel at crunchyroll expo and it was a fucking packed house and the energy was insane and you could just tell how how excited everybody was for this anime adaptation us being anime only people we don't know anything about chainsaw man 
other than there's Kobeni's some car yeah, for that, some reason that meme and that there's some chainsaws and then there was pochita um and <laughs> holy shit pochita is so cute yeah. so cute he stole <laughs> he stole the first episode but even one episode in i mean mappa is killing it with the animation um i, I don't want to spoil anything so i'm like trying to talk very carefully here um yeah, the animation was fantastic but I think what really impressed me about the first episode is how quickly and how well it established the main character, um, Denji, and mm-hmm. like who he is as a person, where he's coming from, and kind of where his life is going to go next. I also was very impressed at the vibe that Mappa created. Um, again, I don't know if this is pretty apparent in the manga, but at least in the anime adaptation, it just had this like really eerie sort of like eerily calm vibe is what i'd say throughout the entire episode until the climactic moment toward the end um it was just like like almost engrossing to watch because i'm like this is such a weird thing that they're setting up here i'm being Mm. extremely vague because i can't say anything too detailed but hopefully for anyone who's watched you get what i'm trying to say i was gonna say it had a gritty vibe to it it wasn't like outright dark but something about it felt like watching um a little bit like watching John Wick I'd say I, I feel like we've, <laughs> we've used John Wick as an example or maybe I've used John Wick as this barometer against a lot of anime but something about it felt a little bit more mature and adult compared to other stuff other comparable things it was very melancholic is that a good word for that yeah that's a gritty and melancholic like it was just like i don't know like you wanted so badly to be positive but there was just like this sadness throughout the whole thing i don't know i just thought it was really well done it was a very good introductory episode and the manga readers seem really pleased with it as well so i'm hoping that that's a good sign for this anime adaptation so that us anime only people can finally understand the hype that is chainsaw man the only thing that uh, was a little bit of a letdown, and I know we've mentioned this many times um, when discussing anime on this podcast, and <laughs> I hope I don't get flack for this, is the CG element. I think the use of CGI was unavoidable, again, with the quality of, of detail that is needed for Chainsaw Man. Like I think MAPPA had no choice but to use CGI, but... Sometimes, as with even Attack on Titan, which I know they Mappa also worked on the final season, just seeing that it kind of takes you a little bit out of out of the show. It did, and yeah. Like the, the CGI is used at a very pivotal moment um, for the first episode, and I don't know, it it kind of made me feel a little underwhelmed seeing it. Yeah, I. I think MAPPA is getting better with each iteration of CGI in their shows. Um, I think really the anime industry as a whole is getting better with each iteration of, of CGI, but it's just not there yet for mm-hmm. someone like me. Maybe I'm fucking picky. Maybe I'm not open-minded. Um, I mean, if, if at the end of the day, the CG is what's needed to allow for a very clean and gorgeous show from like the 2D standpoint um, and for the animators working on it to have somewhat of a normal life, then fine. I get it. Uh, but in a, I guess in an ideal world, in my mind, uh, a full, you know, 2D animated show would be 
would be great. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's kind of. <laughs> I know that we we've talked before about like Demon Slayer that it's kind of like they kind of cheat <laughs> doing two D two D animation because it, it's against like a CGI sort of model, right? I think so. I think that's how you like describe the way they do their animation. Yeah, but even that looks clean enough to come across as two D. So I think if I were to see Chainsaw Man in that sort of animation technique that would have felt better than what was in this episode again this first episode was great and i I don't want to get any like like negative feedback about oh he only he hated it because they had the cgi like no episode one of chainsaw (laughs) man was great this is just a small nitpick about something that we've always nitpicked about yeah if you've been listening to our podcast long enough you know that we just don't like cg and anime but it's not to say it can't win us over at some point because we have talked positively about certain iterations and certain shows where it did look decently good jojo's bizarre adventure is a great example of Mm -hmm. that because we actually get fucking hype like other jojo fans for cg when they have cg opening so it's it's just a matter of like getting to the point where like we are comfortable with it and where it's at a, a more like cohesive level like when it blends better with the shows that it's in but either way, Chainsaw Man's fucking great so mm-hmm. far. We're excited <laughs> to talk about it. Um, I don't know what's going on after this because it ended on a huge cliffhanger, but I am excited for more. And Pochita, best boy. All right, so jumping from Chainsaw Man, the next one we have is more than a married couple, but not lovers. Oh, you- so you're watching this? I am. I okay. picked it up. I, was I don't on know the why. Fence. <laughs> I was on the fence about this, so you- I will hear what you have to say. So yes, I'm the one watching it <laughs> from the two of us. It has uh, a confirmed number of 12 episodes. I don't know if I'm current, but I'm I'm just one episode in. And let me tell you, I have found the trash anime for fall oh. 2022, or at least one of them. Um, it's definitely the trashiest thing that I'm watching. It's a rom-com about these students who have to go through a couple practical, um, like a course where they have to practice being married. This and- sounds like you know, when you have like the egg thing. Yeah, it's not unheard of, at least here in the U.S. I think back in the day, I don't think they do this anymore. But back in the day, um, in older generations, they had things like that. Where like, yeah, they had to take care of an egg to practice. Like a bag of sugar. (laughs) Yeah, to practice like how to take care of like a baby or something like that. So I think it's that idea taken to an extreme because these students live with each other for several weeks um, and there's like monitors in their apartments to make sure that they actually are compatible and like they are falling in love with each other. Um, and it's it's not etchy by definition, but it definitely has etchy moments. There's there's a lot of cleavage. There's a lot of panty shots. There's a lot of like um, sexual tension. So I have a feeling, I don't know how the show will turn out. I'm still like enjoying it one episode in, so I'll probably stick with it. But I have a feeling like this is going to be of... The anime on our list. This is going to be the trash anime for this season. Well, you have to let me know if, if it's worth watching as a trash anime. Um, you always got to have one each season, you know. Like you, yeah. you got to fill that. You got to fill that gap. You got to have like that one trash piece of anime that you watch where it's like it's, it's so <laughs> trashy that it's just enjoyable to watch on that level. Yeah, I mean, what was it my my step <laughs> my step my yeah my oh, step daughter, daughter is my is, ex. Yeah, like I, I knew that was gonna be trash from the get-go but it was one that i didn't want to stick around with 
Um, but if you th- again, if you think more than a married couple but not lovers is within the realm of qu- quality trash, quality trash, then I, I'll give it a go. Next on the list, we have Housing Complex C, which is, I think, perfectly timed for Halloween. Yes, just in time for spooky season. I think this is being touted as a mystery horror anime. It's actually a, an Adult Swim original. Adult Swim? Adult Swim. My <laughs> <laughs> proper English was coming out there. Um, Adult Swim original. It's currently airing on the Toonami block. Um, I've been watching it on HBO Max because I think they've had that partnership. Uh, it's only four episodes, and I'm current right now with three episodes. So uh, one more right before the end of October. And I kind of broke one of our cardinal rules for this because it's just the English dub right now that is available for the show, at least stateside. I don't know if they intend to release the Japanese dub at some point or if they're just going to air that portion in Japan. Um, So, yeah, three episodes in. And the, the trailer for this, a lot of people were saying, oh, this gives me like early 2000s anime vibes. And it, it definitely does. Uh but it's not as frightening or as horror-inducing as I thought it was going to be. And I'm kind of surprised I wanted to pick up the show because, again, I, I hate horror. But it's the pace of this is okay. I think it's a little bit too slow. Um, so basically, it's this show revolves around uh, a housing, com- housing complex C, it's mostly like a lot of seniors, and then there's a little girl named uh, Kimi um, who's kind of like adored by the community. And there are these foreign, this foreign team of interns who come in for like a project. But as soon as they come in, a lot of mysterious things start happening at this housing complex, and it, they believe it, it's related to like a, some some evil deity. And... This is a spoiler alert, so if you plan to watch Housing Complex C, you might want to skip over this, but I just think it's the funniest thing in the world. I think they're hinting towards Cthulhu. Cthulhu, really? <laughs> yes. There's a lot of things that, like, uh, that they hint at in the show, especially the pronunciation. Uh, I forgot what the context was, but they say something like Kuzululu, which feels like the Japanese way of saying Cthulhu. And I know like Cthulhu is like a HP Lovecraft creation, but they're trying to in and kind of inject it into Japanese folklore folklore here. Uh so a lot of things that are related to uh kind of I, I guess they're trying to okay, I don't want to spoil too much of it, but just Cthulhu is involved in some way and there's just a lot of weird shit going on. But it's the show's not girls like it's a mystery, but it's not one that's keeping me at the edge of my seat after watching every episode. I think the one thing that's interesting about it is with the main character, the girl Kimi, because she's a bit of a mystery herself um, and is kind of tied. I think she has a a tie to why why these events are happening or transpiring. Um, but it's not, again, not as engaging of a horror anime as I thought. Uh, but I, I'll finish this off after four episodes, um, and hopefully the, the conclusion will 
be satisfying enough, but yeah, I don't think this is anything that's going to be a a good show to you. It might get you in the mood for spooky season, but not enough to get you super frightened. Yeah, I was thinking about picking this up because four episodes, I mean, that's such a small investment to watch a story. Um, but again, nothing wrong with dub. Um, there's been some fantastic dubs out there. I just personally am a sub person. So when I heard that there's no subs available right now, I was like, eh, I'll just put it to the side. So I took it off my watch list. I might pick it up if you feel like the story was good by the end of it. And I'll just wait for the sub, but we'll see. Yeah, I guess along those lines too, like again, I just watched it in the English dub. The voice acting was just a little bit stilted. Maybe that'll change if I happen upon the Japanese dub, but I think that's also what was keeping or made me think like this isn't really progressing as fast as I'd like it to progress. And also just the animation. Uh, I don't know the studio Akatsuki. I don't know what they've done before, uh, but a lot of the shots, it's just <laughs> like talking heads and it's just their mouth is moving. Oh, and yeah. And they... they they don't blink. It's very weird. I don't know if that's supposed to play in with all this stuff going on, but it's just their mouths moving and a lot of faraway shots of characters. So uh feels a little bit low effort in that sense. All right. Moving on from Housing Complex C, we're jumping into The Eminence in Shadow, which we are both watching. So this has a confirmed episode count of 20. I think we're current with two episodes in is that right i think it's two episodes right now and i didn't know okay I'll, I'll, i'm just gonna say this i don't know what the fuck's going on in the show <laughs> it seems interesting but i two episodes in i have no fucking idea what is happening um i actually didn't realize that this has comedy parts to it that's not apparent at all in the first episode but when i was reading some of the discourse online about the eminence and shadow people were saying I see that it's listed as a comedy. Where's the comedy? And then the manga readers came in and were like, just wait till the second episode. You'll you'll get a better sense of that. And I think it does kick in in the second episode, but I don't think it's like a flat out isekai comedy the way Konosuba is. I think it's more like a a fantasy action anime that has like small bits of comedy dropped in at key moments. And I do find it like funny, like not like, funny Konosuba level funny, but like funny enough to give a chuckle, I guess. But as far as what's actually going on in the show, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Yeah, episode one threw me for a loop because it focuses on one story and then the the end of episode one happens and then episode two, the character, the protagonist is basically isekai to this other world. Uh, I think it's a mix of like, Comedy and con artistry is yeah. the best Because <laughs> I think it, the character, he thinks he's one thing. And so like, he starts making shit up. But then it's like now he's sitting on a, a whole throne of lies. And it turns out that some of those lies are actually true. <laughs> yeah. So like I could see it maybe the story going in a direction of like he's got to now take on this task that is an actual like true task or like there's there's an actual villain that's that's in this world and so now he's gonna you know 
fight You're them. Being so vague about. This. I know, and well, I'm, I'm still confused though, because I I don't know. I'm like trying to predict where the show's gonna go. I'm hoping by episode three they'll establish more of like the actual plot to the story, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where it's going. I'm having such a hard time talking about it because I'm like I I don't know. I enjoyed what I watched. I just don't know what I watched. Yeah. And yeah, I, I'm sure all this is gonna come back to bite the protagonist at some point, uh, but it's not like he's not experienced for it. Like it's hinted that he, he's he's capable of holding against his own. So yeah, like I don't know what's gonna happen, and you know, I, it's funny because I think they mentioned like Dark Knights at some point. I was like, oh, Dark Knight reference? Not really, because there's no <laughs> reference to Batman except for that there's characters called the Dark Knights. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to give this one one more watch. So a total of three episodes. If I'm not hooked after the third episode, I might just end up dropping this. And you know what? I, I'm okay with that because there are a lot of heavy hitters, a lot more heavy hitters in fall that I might need to prioritize more. Um, so an isekai, I, get, I'm, I haven't watched many isekai. I wouldn't mind dropping one, <laughs> dropping an isekai. I feel like the sheer curiosity of what the hell's going to happen in the show might keep me watching. Um, so yeah, I plan to, to watch it as much as possible. If it takes a nosedive, maybe I'll, I'll end up dropping it, but I could see myself finishing this one. And now moving on from the Eminence and Shadow, we're jumping over to the Raven or just Raven of the Inner Palace. Um, I'm watching this one. You're not. There's a total of 13 episodes. I don't know if I'm current. I think I'm behind by one episode. So I'm two episodes in, but I think there's three total that have um, that have premiered. And I, I like it. I, I don't know what to say about this one. So the premise is like there's this mystery um behind like murders that happened in this palace and the new emperor is partnering with the raven consort and using her magical abilities to try and solve these mysteries um but pretty early on i I don't want to spoil it it's not really a spoiler because literally i'm only two episodes in but pretty early on some things get resolved so now i'm kind of kind of wondering like what is the overall story like what's going to happen next and i feel like i'm saying that about a couple of shows this season eminence and shadow that we just talked about is a great example (laughs) of that so the raven of the inner palace seems to be another one where i'm like i don't know where it's gonna go next but what i'm seeing so far seems really interesting um I like the dynamic between the two main characters. I love the world that they're building. So I think that alone will keep me engaged and I'll probably finish this show. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about it just because I don't know where it's going to go from here. Strictly Anime, the podcast where we don't know anything about anime. Because <laughs> they don't tell us anything about the anime. <laughs> it's just like things happen and then they don't happen. And then we're like, well, now what? <laughs> and this is exactly one of those shows. But yeah, if you're if you're interested, and in, I think it's rooted in like ancient Chinese history. I don't know if it's historically accurate, accurate, but I believe it's like set in ancient China. If like you alternate in- Chinese history. Perhaps. I don't think they really touch on history in the show, at least in these first two episodes. Um, but it's it's rooted in that that time period. So if you like those types of shows, if you like that type of anime setting, then this could be a really interesting one. And again, it's a, it's a fantasy show technically. So there is some, some magical abilities being shown here. Um, but I, again, I can't say much about where it's going to go from here. But so far, I've liked what I've seen. 
Now we're going from a show I'm watching, Raven of the Inner Palace, to a show you're watching, Shinobi no Itoki. Yes, or I think uh, translated as Ninja Itoki. Uh, I just stumbled upon this uh, on, on Crunchyroll because... So I, we're going to mention some shows that we're waiting on watching uh, because they're not readily accessible here. And so, you know, scrolling through Crunchyroll, found this one and just decided to pick it up. Uh, I think So this is a... It, it almost gives off, like... Harry Potter vibes because it, Harry Potter. Yeah, well, it's it's a show about ninjas, but it's about a protagonist who is part of. He doesn't know it until the end of the first episode. Spoilers, but he's part of this ninja clan, and he's supposed to take over as heir of the ninja clan. Um, but this is just unbeknownst to him, and it's not a surprise because his family. <laughs> this is a weird thing. His family just works at a supermarket. Um, but apparently, like the ninjas work in like these goods and services companies um, as their sort of modern day work, and so he kind of just has to come to terms with his new role and <laughs> enroll in a ninja academy <laughs> um, while like uncovering or like being part of this this mystery about uh, this conflict between his clan and uh, this rival clan, I guess. Did you want to watch it just because Kenjiro Suda is in here? Okay, I did not know he was <laughs> in the show until the end of the episode because right now he serves as the series antagonist. But yeah, as soon as I heard his soothing voice, I was like, oh, I might stick with this one. Um, I feel like this is going to be mid... It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's an anime original because uh, I don't think it's based off a current manga yeah it says original here on mail yeah um so this one is an original unlike akiba made war that might not have a little bit of staying power we'll see the weird thing is that the ninjas in this show they don't have you, you know the, the typical robes and face coverings that we're used to seeing with ninja in history or in other shows they're more dressed like 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 they're from tron or What's that character in G.I. Joe? Snake Eyes. Really? You know, right? That's the one. Is it, yeah, Snake Eyes, who has like the, the black outfit. Oh, that the, I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. I, I, I know the Tron reference. <laughs> um, well, I don't want to rile up, uh, want to rile up G.I. Joe fans. <laughs> I just want to make sure Snake Eyes. Yes, yeah. He, they're, he's, they're all kind of dressed up like Snake Eyes with the, it's, it's black armor. But again, not that classic ninja look. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll probably stick with this because it, it's an interesting premise. Um, let me see how many episodes are confirmed for it. 12 episodes, and I'm current with two. Um, I think <laughs> I think the main character, Itoki, is about to enter Ninja Hogwarts. So we'll see where the series goes from here. Moving on from Shinobi no Itoki, we're jumping into Mob Psycho 103. Mob is back. I'm so happy. Get ready. Wake your psyche up, Mob. <laughs> so yeah, Mob is back with an unconfirmed amount of episodes. I thought it was 12. I thought I heard in a different source or heard, read in a different source that it's going to be 12 episodes. But don't quote me on that because Mal has a big old question mark. But we are current at two episodes in and it's... 
uh, it's more of the same of of yeah. mob stuff, but I say that in a in a good way. Like it's more of the good stuff that you expect from Mob Psycho 100. Um, the first two episodes are just kind of establishing like where are Mob and Reagan now? Like what what's what's been going on since the conclusion of season two? And not much. <laughs> yeah, and thankfully, like my hero, uh, Mob Psycho 103 starts like immediately after where the second season ends. So again, you don't miss anything in between. And I, I really am happy about that because I don't know, there's always something about like investing your time in a story and, you know, loving characters and, you know, wanting to see every moment that they go through and then having a time skip between seasons and you're like, well, shit, I missed a bunch of stuff. But thankfully we don't have that here. Um, I would say the first two episodes kind of establish everything the same way seasons one and two did. So it's just kind of like the everyday shenanigans um, of Mob and Reagan and Serizawa as well. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I forgot his name until <laughs> I'm glad someone mentioned his name in the first episode. Uh, yeah, I, I see it like each season of Mob Psycho focuses on one aspect of Mob that he's trying to come to terms with. Uh I think the first one was just his powers. The second one was how to properly use his powers. And then this third one is like, what does the future hold for him now that he has these two things under control? And it's going to be an interesting journey because I think at the end of season two, we thought that was like a proper, like after that point, it felt like where could Mob go from here? But I think with that premise in mind of Mob kind of struggling with where he's going to be or where he's going to see himself like in 10 or however many years uh, is going to be a, a fitting way to possibly end his story because I, I don't know if this is like the, like the trilogy like uh season three being like the completion of a trilogy because I think the manga ended its run a couple years ago I don't know for sure if season three is the final season, but I have read that. I have read speculation that it's going to be. So I'm, yeah, I'm curious as well to see like how this concludes the story. But you bring up a good point. Um, so we recently caught up on Mob Psycho in preparation for this third season two premiere. So if you're interested in hearing our full thoughts on Mob Psycho 100, that's episode 87 of Strictly Anime, and Mob Psycho 102 is episode 97. Wow, 10 episodes after. Um, 97 hmm. of Strictly Anime. And yeah, with the conclusion of season two, we were kind of like, what now? Again, that's like a running theme of this first impressions episode. Like, what now? Where does it go? And I think the first two episodes do drop very subtle hints as to like what the new issue could be mm -hmm. that they're going to be tackling. Um, but other than that, I have no clue what to expect because things wrapped up pretty cleanly with season two. Well, I think this thing has been brewing since season one. Yeah, that's and we, fair. And we've, we've discussed this in the Mob Psycho 101 and 2 review episodes. And I think now with uh, Mob Psycho 103, it's going to bring that full circle. Uh, so that'll be exciting to watch. And I think that, again, that also coincides with Mob's journey in this season. 
Next up on the list, we have the return of Spy Family with oh Spy Family boy, Part 2. Hell yeah. I'm so happy to watch more <laughs> Spy Family. So it has a confirmed episode count of 13. We're current at three episodes in. And as we speculated with the end of Part 1, it seems like Part 2 is going to give us more conflict than what we got in the first part. I would say like the first part was establishing the characters, their relationships. It was the world building that we needed. And I think part two is going to start to like take things in a different, not a different direction, but like move things ahead. At least that's what it, it's feeling like in these first few episodes. We also get the introduction of what could argue, arguably be one of the best boys of this year. So mm -hmm. I'm excited for that. Um, the most recent episode, episode three, was fucking amazing. <laughs> you know that I loved it so much. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is wonderful. This is great. Um, so without spoiling anything, if you haven't seen episode three, be prepared for a lot of fluff. And I mean that in multiple ways. <laughs> Warm, fuzzy feelings and literal fluff. Oh, yeah, I think that was the highlight of these first three episodes for the second core. Um, I don't know. I, I remember thinking, I think we mentioned this towards the end of our Spy Family review or part one review, is that we thought there was going to be a, a an actual antagonist that they would face in the second core. I mean, there is the, the one antagonist who... Uh, like the main antagonist right. of like the rival country and like mm -hmm. Desmond's dad or Damien's dad, Desmond, yeah. whatever. Donovan Desmond, I think was his name. Uh, but I thought this this core would focus on one antagonist. Uh, I It seems like that might not be the case because it, it seems like it's about to wrap up that whole thing. Um, but yeah, I'm just hoping yeah, more progression towards that. That main mission that Lloyd has to accomplish uh, while trying to tend to to Anya and and yours strange tendencies. Um, I'll say the show grew on me. Um, I might still might not be as hyped about it as other people, but um, still looking forward to what every week's mission has to bring. I'm hoping we see more of your not because like you know mommy milkers or because she's like. You know, Mommy, waifu no, material no. and all that. She's one of the top waifu of this year, but mostly because I felt like she had, like didn't do much. She kind of played like a support character in the yeah. first part. I'm hoping that changes and she has more of a prominent role in part two because of the trio, she seems to be the one who takes a step back for the other two to shine. But she did have a lot of screen time in this three-episode arc. Yeah, so definitely. So that was a nice change of pace. And if you're interested in hearing our full review on part one of Spy Family, that's episode 93 of Strictly Anime. The last anime in this category of currently watching is Urusei Yatsura, which I'm watching, but I think you're either holding off on or may not be interested in watching. Uh, I think this one I'm going to hold off on. I feel like originally, because I, I know this was uh, an anime that came out, what, 80s or 90s originally? Um, I'm pulling it up here to get the correct time frame. It aired from 1981 to 1986. Yeah, so in my head, I was thinking, maybe I should watch the original first. Then I found out the original is close to like 150 episodes. I was like, oh shit, that's going <laughs> to take me a while. Um, but then I didn't apply that same thing to when we watched Hunter x Hunter because we only watched the most recent adaptation. We didn't watch the original. So 
Uh, I, I'll probably pick this up at some point, but I think I'll, I'll save it just to get some of these other seasonals and other shows out of the way first. Urusei Yatsura had 46 episodes listed on Mal, and I noticed it recently changed to 23 episodes. Um, I don't know if I'm current. I think there might be two episodes out. I've only seen one so far. So I don't know if that means there's going to be two seasons of this anime or not. But anyway, right now it says 23 episodes. And for those not familiar, you, you've you probably seen the female protagonist in someone's profile picture or somewhere in the internet community, or the internet, the anime community, um, because she's pretty iconic. But this story follows Lum and Ataru and their shenanigans. I had, I have not actually watched the original Urusei Yatsura, um, but I like am vaguely familiar with the story. So I was really interested in watching this adaptation, which is a reboot or a remake, um, if you will, and finally understand like the full context of the story. I'm also a really big Rumiko Takahashi fan, who is the creator of this, as well as things like Ranma and of course Inuyasha. I mm. fucking love Inuyasha. So I there were a lot of reasons for me to pick this one up. And one episode in, um, I think it's gonna be a really good adaptation. Although, with that said, the first episode was a lot packed into one. They basically established what the scenario is for the show and like what what the plot's gonna be. Um, but it was a lot to cram into the first episode. So it was like, go, go, go the entire fucking episode. I felt like there wasn't a moment to breathe. So I'm hoping the pacing gets a little bit better after episode one, now that they've established what the fuck's going on here. But we'll we'll just have to see um, as the show progresses. But what I did watch, I did enjoy very much. And I love that they still kept Rumiko Takahashi's very iconic look. Um, I was worried that they were going to... Her style, you mean? Style, yeah. Like, her, not her look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> her animation style or her, her manga style. Um, and it does look very reminiscent of the original anime adaptation from the 80s. Um, it's kind of like Hunter x Hunter. I felt like they kind of kept that same look from the earlier mm -hmm. anime adaptation so i did appreciate that a lot i was like please don't do anything drastic don't try to remake all of this like rumiko takahashi has a very distinct look to her characters and her worlds um so it's nice that they kept that because it's just so cute everything looks really cute so yeah if anyone is interested in her work if anyone's interested in this anime i i would recommend it just based off of the first episode now we're moving on to the last category for our first impressions, and that's all of the upcoming anime. And upcoming can be either stuff that has not premiered yet, or maybe it has premiered and we just don't have access to it, or it's stuff that has premiered, but we're just not at a point that we can watch it yet. And pretty much everything on this list hits one of those three um, subcategories. So first and foremost, we have Bleach, thousand year blood war which apparently is taking What's bleach it's taking everybody by storm because people are freaking out about the return of bleach we we grew up in that generation like everyone who who watched bleach back in the day when it was first airing i did not watch it with everybody else um but we are finally picking it up very late in the game but we're only 16 episodes or something. No, I think it's less. I think it's 14 episodes okay, off into um, Bleach, like the original uh, 
366 episode Bleach. So clearly we're not at a place yet to watch the newest season. But when we finally do catch up and finish the original Bleach, we will definitely pick up Thousand Year Blood War because, yeah, it's I don't want to look too much into early scores on Mal. Um, I don't even know how many episodes are out right now, but it already has a 9.10 on Mal. I know it overtook Full Metal at, for the number one spot. I don't know if that's going to change. For a hot change. second, yeah. like a lot of anime <laughs> does. <laughs> but yeah, I think we're going to watch the Thousand Year Blood War a thousand years from now. Whenever we can <laughs> catch up to all 300 yeah. plus Bleach episodes. But I, I do want to watch Bleach. I feel like it's it's one of those being of the generation that I am. Like I just I need to watch it. It's the big three, right? Yeah, I know everyone's gonna be like, you also need to watch Naruto and One Piece. Like eventually, I'm sure I'll do that. Let me focus on Bleach first. Let's get through that, and then we'll talk about those other ones. But yeah, I I am totally interested in watching this newest season whenever the opportunity arrives. Next up is Play It Cool, guys, which I picked up because. Yuichiro Umehara is voicing one of the characters. So of course, I have to see what the fuck's going on with this. It has premiered, but the reason we haven't watched it, because I think you have this on your list as well, right? Yeah, I was probably going to give this a three-episode try. And, and we, we haven't been able to watch it yet because apparently it's not available locally. Um, there's no talk about when it will be available locally for us here in the u.s um and people are having a really hard time finding it apparently the only place it might be streaming is billy billy and that's with chinese subs so there's a lot of people waiting to watch the show that just can't right now so we'll we'll see um i'll I'll keep an eye out and when we are finally able to watch it we'll pick it up and maybe share our thoughts but the premise is around like four guys who are trying their hardest to look cool, but they're just like really dorky or awkward. And I'm like, hey, how relatable. <laughs> I think all of us can relate mm-hmm. to that on some level. So I thought it was a, a cool premise and hopefully it's a good show. In a similar vein, we have Eternal Boys, which um, I think has a, a pretty like similar premise and has a similar situation. Middle-aged idols. Yeah, it's about like <laughs> all these dudes that are middle-aged and like, feeling old and they're trying to form an idol group and make it big despite their age i'm scared to know what they mean by middle age because we all know in anime when you're like 20 years old you're suddenly considered ancient (laughs) i think in the synopsis it mentions that they're like 30 to 40 year olds um i don't see that on mal but i i I thought i read it somewhere um but yeah on that alone again that's i feel like that's uh, a demographic that's pretty untouched in anime. Uh, but I think in this case, it's going to make for interesting antics. But similarly to Play It Cool Guys, there's nowhere to watch this yet, mm-hmm. at least for us here in the States. So it's out. It premiered. Um, we're just waiting to to have access to it. So once we do, I'm sure like Play It Cool Guys will provide our thoughts at some point. Next up, we have a big one that's upcoming and is not premiering for quite some time, and that is To Your Eternity, the second season. It has a confirmed episode count of 20, which I think was also the same number of episodes for the first season, um, so they're kind of following the same the same suit there, but it doesn't premiere until October 23rd, so we're just in a holding pattern until we're able to watch more of Fushi's journey and have our hearts ripped out with all of the emotion that I'm sure is going to be packed in season two. Yeah, I'm not ready for this. 
Um, not emotionally ready. (laughs) Yeah. Emotionally and physically, because yeah, it's, I think it's 20 episodes. Um, again, this season is just stacked. So many great things to watch, um, including to your eternity. Um, I think we need an emotional roller coaster. I feel like we haven't really had one in anime thus far this year. Correct me if I'm wrong. This year, I think we have. We probably just can can can't think of it right now. Maybe. <laughs> Either way, um, maybe it's a blessing in disguise that To Your Eternity season two isn't coming out until like the halfway point of October. Because you're right, like there's so many other anime we're watching. It might be nice to kind of space them out a little bit. Um, and this one will run into uh, winter in 2023, so there's no rush to to watch it. But I am excited when it finally premieres. Next up, we have yet another big one yet to premiere, and that's JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 6, Stone Ocean Part 3, which came out of nowhere. The The announcement for this was like, suddenly on Twitter, they're like, hey, by the way, we're also going to give you Part 3, I think to start, I think starting December 1st. Is that right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, it says here <laughs> December 1st, 2022. So again talking about spacing out big hitter anime for the season. We'll have quite a while before this one actually premieres, um, but it's got a confirmed episode count of 14, and this will conclude Stone Ocean. So it's going to be a a wild ride, as all of the other shows in fall 2022 are reaching their climactic point. We're then going to get a full drop of like the last set of episodes for Stone Ocean. So the end of this year is going to be absolutely insane. And, of course, you can follow our journey through Stone Ocean in our other podcast, Strictly JoJo. Right now, we are in the throes of the second core. Um, I think our review of each episode of the second core is going to cut into the release of the third core. But, of course, we're going to continue our review after the conclusion of second cores episodes yes if you're a fan of jojo just like us head over to strictly jojo join us in the middle of our stone ocean review series and join us when part three premieres and we'll be talking about it every single week and then we have romantic killer um which looks like does not premiere until october 27th so again spacing out uh all these anime i have this one on my list but i don't think you have it on yours is that right um yeah this is the first time hearing about it well, let me tell you why I even picked this up in the first place. Yuichiro Umehara. Yes. I butchered that. The first anime we talked about, well, like a second anime we talked about, which is I'm the Villainess, so I'm Taming the Final Boss. I touted about how the, the two main characters in this, you know, relationship or whatever, like the two love interests are voiced by Yuichiro Umehara and Ria Takahashi. Well, guess fucking what? In this anime, the two main love interests are also voiced by Yuichiro Umehara and Rei Takahashi, and it's a romantic comedy. I think it's also technically an isekai. So I don't know what's up with Fall 2022, but they're just putting out banger after banger that is right up my alley, and thank you, anime Kamisama, for doing so. (laughs) When I saw this, I was like, no fucking way. Two rom-coms with some of my favorite voice actors with some of the kind of premises that I enjoy, they're like my guilty pleasure. I'm being spoiled this season. Let's be honest. 
Yeah, it's the season of Yuichiro Umihara for you, I guess. Hell fucking yeah. <laughs> and he's also weather report in Stone Ocean, so I'm getting my fill of his voice acting prowess. But yeah, so that one does not premiere for quite some time. Um, I'll share my thoughts when it's finally here. I don't know what to expect. I just saw the trailer really quick, and I'm like, you know what? I've seen enough. I'm satisfied. I'm putting this on my watch list. But it is, I believe, a Netflix-licensed anime Always gives me a little bit of pause when I see that, but I'm sure it'll be good either way. Knock on wood. And the last few that we're talking about for our first impressions for fall 2022 is uh, still in the upcoming category, but are the movies for this season. Um, I believe all of them have actually premiered. No, I'm lying. Two of them have premiered. One of them has not. But like with a lot of anime movies, it's going to probably be a while before we get access access to them here in the United States. So who knows when we're actually going to watch them, probably three to six months from now. But the first one is the big hitter of the movies, and that's Suzume's Door Locking, which is the Makoto Shinkai movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like a lot of his other works based on the trailer, based on um, the key visuals. So I think it's going to be... I don't want to say more of the same that he's known for, but I think it's going to be a very emotional story. Like, I'm just already gearing up for that because that is what he does best. Reading the synopsis on Mal says, a man who says, I'm looking for a door. <laughs> is this <Yeah>. Monsters, Inc.? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's going to grip at the heartstrings while also infusing some interesting fantasy elements it looks like it airs in japan on november 11th so we're gonna have quite some time i think before we're able to watch it here in the states um but if you look at the character list one of the supporting characters is suzume's chair what is this what (laughs) what is there's such a picture of a yellow chair and it's actually (laughs) on the character list and has a voice actor what the fuck (laughs) kind of movie is this (laughs) this kind of looks like the that one yellow block in mario that you always see oh yeah it does okay well yeah there's your fantasy element i guess a talking chair does the door talk as well we'll find out (laughs) all right well i'm intrigued i can't wait for this movie to premiere and the last two movies and the last two anime on our list for this season actually come as a pair so those of you listening may have heard about this very unique setup for um these two movies uh the titles are weird let me pull them up here so the first one is to the only me who loved you and the other one is titled to all of you that i loved both of them premiered on october 7th and again they are a pair of movies that are intended to be watched together Um, but from what i was reading um leading up to this the way the movies are created or structured is that your interpretation of what's going on in this overarching story across the two movies will change based on which movie you watch first and which you watch second. So I think you and I have been planning for whenever we get access to these movies to watch one, to pick one of the two movies to start with. That way we have the opposite viewpoints going into the story. Mm -hmm. So of the two, which one do you think you'd watch first? Um... I mean, I can't really tell a difference between either of them and trying not to read too much into like 
the premises are, are the premises even listed on mail they kind of are but they're very vague okay um i i, I really don't have a preference maybe the the two was it to all of you i've loved before okay so the one with like the blue looking key visual yes okay and i think it follows oh wait i think the synopsis is like the same for both well it starts off the same okay right and that well okay i don't want to read the rest of it but yeah (laughs) all right fine then i will watch to the only me who loved you i'm gonna take a note of that right now because i will fucking forget it's the one with the pink key visual even though i fucking hate the color pink yeah just what a interesting concept in general not just for anime but i think any sort of media i think this actually started as a manga and this is going to be like the film anime film adaptation but i've never seen something like this even in regular western media Uh, so i'm just really curious how this is going to shift our perspectives of seeing the, the movies in different orders yeah i i I'm very intrigued because I think that's a very lofty goal to be able to say like your interpretation of this overarching story completely changes based on which one you watch first. I, I, I'm i like curious as to how they're going to pull that off and what they actually mean by that. Um, but it looks promising. Um, and the synopsis of what I skimmed seems interesting. The art looks really pretty. And we'll we'll see whenever we can finally access it here in the States. And that concludes our fall 2022 anime first impressions. However, as always, um, if you guys have any recommendations for some shows that we should pick up or at least look into for the season, please reach out and let us know. You can contact us on Instagram, Twitter. You can send us an email, join our Discord. However you can get a hold of us, please reach out and let us know because we are always open to taking um, recommendations. I mean, that's the reason I even picked up Blue Lock is because one of our Discord members recommended it. So please let us know. And as we mentioned earlier, if you want to hear our final thoughts on this season after it's finished, that's exclusive for our patrons. So you'll have to head over to patreon.com slash strictly series. Yeah, I can't wait for the super spooky season, not just with Halloween, but just the the terror of having to watch all of these fantastic shows. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like bittersweet because it's so much to take on. But it's going to be absolutely amazing to be spoiled with this many amazing shows all in one go. It's going to be a great way to end the year. Yeah, that's for sure. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope you guys walked away from this episode with a few recommendations or things to avoid. Uh, I feel like most of what we talked about was pretty positive, but we do have some confusing anime that are out there. But either way, thank you so much for joining us every single week. We appreciate you guys so, so much. And as always, be sure to subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show and get access to our end-of-season reviews, head over to patreon.com slash thestrictlyseries. And tune into Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.